Gracious God, bless to our hearts this night the message of Christ born for us all. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. In our gospel reading for this morning from Luke chapter 2, the angels proclaim the birth of the Christ. And Martin Luther referred to the message of the angels as the first Christmas sermon. And Luther added this, even if Christ had been born 20 times, it would not have done us any good if we had not first heard about it. That is the importance of the proclaimed word. God could do any number of things to save humanity, but unless we're told about it, it does us no good. There's nothing to believe. But when we're told, when the good news is announced to us, that proclamation creates faith in the heart and it creates worship. And we see that worship emanating from the shepherds at the end of Luke 2, verse 20. So, Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, this is on page nine of your worship bulletin. The first Christmas sermon is to shepherds and exclusively to shepherds. Letter A, note the pronoun you. It's used three times. This is emphatic. It is for emphasis. Point number one, the angel said, I bring you good news, not good advice. Now, advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a proclamation of what's already been done for you. This Savior is born for all people, but the angel proclaims it only to the shepherds, only to them, no one else. Point number two, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And point number three, and this will be a sign for you, the shepherds. This is your sign. And the sign validates or it confirms the angel's words. The sign is given exclusively to the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Letter B. Note the noun manger is used three times again for emphasis. Verses 7, 12, and 16. What does it mean? Simply this. Like the shepherds, this Savior dwells outside with the flock. Verse 7. His mother lays the child in the manger because there's no room for them in the inn. Or you could translate this the guest room, the guest room of a home maybe a relative's home. But the guest room's already occupied by other occupants. So what about the Holy Family? Where do they reside? 
It could be a barn attached to the house. That was often the case. But it's outside, outside where humans live. It's outside the house. A manger would always be in an enclosed area. The Greek word is an ole, a sheepfold, a sheep pen. Normally, there's, there's no roof. It's open to the sky, but surrounded by a wall or a fence of some sort. And the shepherds would take the animals into the ole, the sheep pen, at night to protect them from predators. The Savior, here's the point, the Savior begins his life outside of human habitation in some sort of an ole or a sheepfold with the livestock where the shepherds live. And it's always been that way with our Lord. He himself said later in Luke's gospel, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And let her see, note the use of the name David. That's three times as well, twice in verse 4, and then also verse 11. Now let me ask you this. What did David do before he was king? He was a shepherd. So, summarize. The good news about this child is for all people but it's announced only to shepherds. They alone are given this honor. And only to those shepherds in Bethlehem, the city of David, where David himself was a shepherd. The child lives outside of human habitation, among the livestock, like a shepherd would. And all of this suggests that Luke, in his gospel, wants us to think of this child as the long-promised shepherd king. Ezekiel predicted a shepherd king. In chapter 34 of his prophecy, and this is what the Lord says from Ezekiel 34. He says, first of all, I myself will shepherd my people. I myself will seek and will find the lost sheep. I myself will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But then the Lord said this, I will place one shepherd over my people, my servant David. David. David's a man. So which is it? Will the Lord himself shepherd his people? Or will David's descendant shepherd his people? And the answer is yes. The Lord himself will shepherd his people through his own son, Jesus, who, according to the flesh, is a descendant of David, someone who is both divine and human. Luke wants us to see this child as the long-expected shepherd king. Roman numeral two. Angels can appear to you but a savior must be born to you. He must be born. Our savior cannot be a spirit or a phantom or an avatar who only appears human. Only someone born can be the savior. 
letter A. The verb to give birth or born appears three times. Again, it's emphasized in the text. And what does it mean? Point number one, the immortal became mortal. The invulnerable becomes vulnerable. The supernatural becomes natural. The unassailably holy one becomes someone you can hug. Letter B, this shepherd takes responsibility. He takes responsibility. He becomes the sacrificial lamb, and thereby he gathers his flock. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our Lord said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This shepherd takes responsibility for the waywardness of his sheep. That means whenever we have a falling out with someone, we react habitually by blaming the other, do we not? We say things like, it's your fault. And someone else says, no, it's your fault. We say, it's you. And they say, no, it's you. And we say, no, it it is you. They say, no, it's you. Until someone says, it's me. The argument does not cease. Healing doesn't begin until someone says, it's me. It's me. And that someone is the innocent son of God, the great shepherd of the sheep, He loves you so much that he's not only willing to die for your sins, he actually does. Our Savior cannot be a spirit or a phantom or an avatar who only appears human. Only someone who comes to us through the birth canal, only someone who is flesh and blood born for us can suffer and die in our place and become the Savior who alone answers for our sins and ends the argument. Peter writes, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The innocent shepherd takes responsibility for the waywardness of his sheep. In Roman numeral three, this good news won't change your outward circumstances one bit. Rather, it changes you. It changes you. Mary was changed. Being the mother of the Lord did not exempt her from a life of poverty. Being the mother of our Lord did not exempt her from the pains of childbirth. But she became a disciple. She believed the word of the Lord. And of all the people mentioned in the birth narratives of our Lord Jesus from Luke 1 and Luke 2, Mary is the only one at the end of the gospel who's standing by the cross. The only one. Mary was changed. The shepherds were changed. The good news they received from the the angel did not exempt them from their jobs. They still had to return to work. 
but they return to work as different people. They return to their jobs, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. And finally, we are changed. As the scripture says, we were all like sheep going astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Why does it matter? Why is that important? It matters because conflict is inevitable in any relationship. And someone will say, or they will imply, it's your fault. And you'll instinctively reply, no, it's yours. It's your fault. They'll say, it's you. And you'll respond by saying, no, it's you. And that will go on until we remember the one who said, it's me. Each of us will be able to take responsibility for our own mistakes as we remember that one who took responsibility for them at the cross. My friends, changing our outward circumstances doesn't help us if we remain the same self-centered people that we were. This good news will not change your outward circumstances. It does better than that. It changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, amen. Gracious God, bless to our hearts this night the message of Christ born for us all. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Please be seated. In our gospel reading for this morning from Luke chapter 2, the angels proclaim the birth of the Christ. And Martin Luther referred to the message of the angels as the first Christmas sermon. And Luther added this, even if Christ had been born 20 times, it would not have done us any good if we had not first heard about it. That is the importance of the proclaimed word. God could do any number of things to save humanity, but unless we're told about it, it does us no good. There's nothing to believe. But when we're told, when the good news is announced to us, that proclamation creates faith in the heart, and it creates worship. And we see that worship emanating from the shepherds at the end of Luke 2, verse 20. So, Roman numeral 1, in your sermon outline, this is on page 9 of your worship bulletin. The first Christmas sermon is to shepherds, and exclusively to shepherds. Letter A, note the pronoun you. It's used three times. This is emphatic. It is for emphasis. Point number one, the angel said, I bring you good news, not good advice. Now, advice is counsel about what you must do. News 
is a proclamation of what's already been done for you. This Savior is born for all people, but the angel proclaims it only to the shepherds, only to them, no one else. Point number two, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And point number three, and this will be a sign for you, the shepherds. This is your sign. And the sign validates or it confirms the angel's words. The sign is given exclusively to the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Letter B, note the noun manger is used three times again for emphasis, verses 7, 12, and 16. What does it mean? Simply this, like the shepherds, this Savior dwells outside with the flock. Verse 7, his mother lays the child in the manger because there's no room for them in the inn, or you could translate this the guest room, the guest room of a home, maybe a relative's home. But the guest room is already occupied by other occupants. So what about the Holy Family? Where do they reside? It could be a barn attached to the house. That was often the case. But it's outside. Outside where humans live, it's outside the house. A manger would always be in an enclosed area. The Greek word is an ole, a sheepfold, a sheep pen. Normally, there's, there's no roof. It's open to the sky, but surrounded by a wall or a fence of some sort. And the shepherds would take the animals into the ole, the sheep pen, at night to protect them from predators. The Savior, here's the point, the Savior begins his life outside of human habitation in some sort of an ole or a sheepfold with the livestock where the shepherds live. And it's always been that way with our Lord. He himself said later in Luke's gospel, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And let her see, note the use of the name David. That's three times as well, twice in verse four, and then also verse 11. Now let me ask you this. What did David do before he was king? He was a shepherd. So, summarize. The good news about this child is for all people, but it's announced only to shepherds. They alone are given this honor. And only to those shepherds in Bethlehem the city of David, where David himself was a shepherd. The child lives outside of human habitation, among the livestock, like a shepherd would. And all of this suggests 
that Luke, in his gospel, wants us to think of this child as the long-promised shepherd king. Ezekiel predicted a shepherd king. In chapter 34 of his prophecy, and this is what the Lord says from Ezekiel 34. He says, first of all, I myself will shepherd my people. I myself will seek and will find the lost sheep. I myself will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But then the Lord said this, I will place one shepherd over my people, my servant David. David. David's a man. So which is it? Will the Lord himself shepherd his people? Or will David's descendant shepherd his people? And the answer is yes. The Lord himself will shepherd his people through his own son, Jesus, who, according to the flesh, is a descendant of David, someone who is both divine and human. Luke wants us to see this child as the long-expected shepherd king. Roman numeral two. Angels can appear to you but a savior must be born to you. He must be born. Our savior cannot be a spirit or a phantom or an avatar who only appears human. Only someone born can be the savior. Letter A, the verb to give birth or born appears three times. Again, it's emphasized in the text. And what does it mean? Point number one, the immortal became mortal. The invulnerable becomes vulnerable. The supernatural becomes natural. The unassailably holy one becomes someone you can hug. Letter B, this shepherd takes responsibility. He takes responsibility. He becomes the sacrificial lamb, and thereby he gathers his flock. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our Lord said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This shepherd takes responsibility for the waywardness of his sheep. That means whenever we have a falling out with someone, We react habitually by blaming the other, do we not? We say things like, it's your fault. And someone else says, no, it's your fault. We say, it's you, and they say, no, it's you. And we say, no, it it is you. They say, no, it's you. Until someone says, it's me. The argument does not cease. Healing doesn't begin until someone says, it's me, it's me. And that someone is the innocent son of God, the great shepherd of the sheep. He loves you so much that he's not only willing to die for your sins, he actually does. Our savior 
cannot be a spirit or a phantom or an avatar who only appears human. Only someone who comes to us through the birth canal, only someone who is flesh and blood born for us can suffer and die in our place and become the Savior who alone answers for our sins and ends the argument. Peter writes, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The innocent shepherd takes responsibility for the waywardness of his sheep. In Roman numeral three, this good news won't change your outward circumstances one bit. Rather, it changes you. It changes you. Mary was changed. Being the mother of the Lord did not exempt her from a life of poverty. Being the mother of our Lord did not exempt her from the pains of childbirth, but she became a disciple. She believed the word of the Lord. And of all the people mentioned in the birth narratives of our Lord Jesus from Luke 1 and Luke 2, Mary is the only one at the end of the gospel who's standing by the cross. The only one. Mary was changed. The shepherds were changed. The good news they received from the, sh the angel did not exempt them from their jobs. They still had to return to work, but they returned to work as different people. They returned to their jobs, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. And finally, we are changed. As the scripture says, we were all like sheep going astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Why does it matter? Why is that important? It matters because conflict is inevitable in any relationship. And someone will say, or they will imply, it's your fault. And you'll instinctively reply, no, it's yours. It's your fault. They'll say, it's you. And you'll respond by saying, no, it's you. And that will go on until we remember the one who said, it's me. Each of us will be able to take responsibility for our own mistakes as we remember that one who took responsibility for them at the cross. My friends, changing our outward circumstances doesn't help us if we remain the same self-centered people that we were. This good news will not change your outward circumstances. It does better than that. It changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.